Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. All right, today's message is uh, not an easy message. This is probably not a feel-good. Sometimes I tease and say, you know, this is going to be easy listening, fire and brimstone. I'm not sure this is going to be very easy listening. And so I'm, I'm inviting you to join in. Truth, uh, you know, the truth be told, I don't know anybody that likes to go to the dentist and have a tooth drilled out. But if you don't go, you know what happens. If you don't deal with that uh, cavity, it can really mess up a lot. It can even destroy your health long term. So we, uh, this morning, I, I won't say this is a root canal, but it is, uh, I believe, the Lord just put upon my heart as many times I tried to get away from it this week. This is a message of a tipping point for America. I really believe. I, I don't often speak about judgment against a particular country, but I'm very, very concerned about the United States. And so this morning, I believe there's an opportunity for us if we look at Scripture and we turn from our wicked ways. We've been standing with um, our team in Columbia uh, at 714, standing with many across the nations, that if my people, Second Chronicles 714, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, humble themselves, and seek my face, then God would hear from heaven and he would bring healing to the land. But there's this scripture warning and it's, we can try to get away from it, but it's, it's blatant. Even God's precious apple of his eye nation, Israel, how many times in the Old Testament did they find God, then they turned away, did they find God? And he brings his grace and he brings his judgment. And I'm seriously concerned, uh, it's been on my heart all week, about where we are. There's an opportunity to turn this around, but the tipping point is here. And there comes a place in Scripture that's clearly warned. There is a place where there is no turning back. And I am concerned with how close we might be to this. I've titled today's message. You're going to need a pen and a piece of paper and lots of Scriptures. That You just jot down the Scriptures, and if you'll list them chronologically and you go back this week and look at them, I believe you'll start to see a clear picture that will bring both the reverential honor and the fear of the Lord. We know what he says in Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. That's that reverential honor of God. And so I've titled today's message, The Highway to Holiness or Muddy Paths. We have to choose. The Highway to Holiness is described by the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 35. The warning from the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 18 is, my people have turned away. They've gotten off the ancient pathway and they're now on the muddy path. Jeremiah 18. The writer of Deuteronomy in Deuteronomy 30 says, I put before you life and death. You choose. You choose. Heaven and earth will witness the choice you make, but you choose. The highway to holiness, God, that's where we want to walk in that place. This is promise from Isaiah. Well, as we look at Hebrews, if, you're, if you have your word, turn with me in Hebrews chapter 12. In Hebrews 12, the writer of Hebrews, I have both the King James Version, which is the thought for thought, but I also have a parallel Bible on the New Living Translation, which is the... Uh, thought for thought. So I have the word for word out of the King James and the thought for thought out of the New Living. 
Let me read out of the New Living Translation. The title of this area in verse 14 of Hebrews 12 is a call to listen to God. A call to listen to God. Look at verse 14. Work at living in peace with everyone. <laughs> Whew, I don't know about you, but sometimes you've got to really work at it <laughs> to live in peace with some folk. Work at living a holy life. Work at living a holy life. For those who are, who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. And watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness is the unforgiveness, grows up and troubles you, corrupting many. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright for his firstborn son as for a single meal. You know that afterward, even when he wanted the Father's blessing, this is the warning, there's a point where you cannot repent to the point where the, the Lord can hear. There's a place where he turns and he says, no longer, I've given you too many opportunities. It says, it was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. Then he goes on and he shares about the shaking. This is that place in the Old Testament, and he promises here about Zion. Let, let's look now to verse 23. In verse 23, he says, you have come. Listen to this language. Wow, it's, it's so poetic, but yet so revealing. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. We know that Jesus was the firstborn from the dead, right? And now he says he'll have many children, those who believe in his name. You have come to God himself who is the judge over all. You have come to spirits of righteousness, ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. You've come to Jesus, the one who mediates this new covenant between God and his people, and to the sprinkled bud which speaks of this forgiveness, and instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel, be careful that you do not refuse to listen. You, that's the message. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who's speaking, for if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only the unshakable things will remain. And since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let's be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. Some pretty strong and yet powerful truth. Is anyone listening? In this pandemic, this worldwide, over 184 nations, I believe, are losing people to the pandemic. Never in the history of the world has something this so widespread unprecedented, they've called it. In fact, 
Just this week, 22 million people have filed for unemployment in the United States. All states, this has never occurred. All states and territories of the United States are now under federal disaster declaration. Soaring debt, over 20 plus trillion dollars of debt. Many have died, thousands have died. God, I ask that you would wake us up, Lord, in this time. There's some statements I want to make that they were kind of rattling in my spirit this week. Decisions determine destiny. Decisions determine destiny. Maybe you've heard this cliche before that actions speak louder than words. The roads that we take are more important than the goals that we announce. This theme of roads where Isaiah says there's a highway to holiness that the walk and the righteous can only walk on. We'll look at that in a moment in Isaiah 35. But Jeremiah the prophet, he warned Israel they had gotten off track. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon was surrounding them. They had gotten to a place in their wickedness, in their idolatry in Israel. They had, God had sent his prophets. They killed the prophets. They shut them up and they listened to the false prophets. Jeremiah kept coming to them, just asking them to repent, repent. But King Zedekiah never listened until it was too late. And he said in Jeremiah 18, again, we'll look at that in more detail here in a moment. The prophet says, my people have left the ancient highway and now are walking on a muddy path. I believe that the United States, we've lost in general terms at the highest levels the honor and the value for God and his ways. And what you don't value and what you don't honor You can't pass it on. There is this place where if you do not honor and value God and his ways, then you have no value to pass it on. And that's the tragedy. I want you to just look at something. You know, we, we look at lifespans, and do you know that in less than 60 years, that's, that's, that's less than one lifespan. You know, the average lifespan today is more than that. In the less than 60 years, listen to what has changed. There were hundreds of years of devotion to God, the premise of God that was built upon the nation. June 25th in 1962, the U.S. Supreme Court in Engel versus Vital, they removed prayer from school. One year later, look what happened in 10 years. One year later, in 1963, they removed the Bible from the schools. And yet, for hundreds of years, we used it as the training tool. The actual equipping, they used to train kids to read by reading the scriptures. But in that period, from 1962 and 1963, we took prayer out and we took the Bible out. Ten years later, in 1973, in the Roe v. Wade decision, the Supreme Court legalized abortion and now over we're approaching 70 million children in the United States have been murdered by Roe v. Wade. June 26, 2015 in a split decision, 5-4 decision, the U.S. Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage. And now they're changing the laws 
on transgender decision. In fact, here's where Scripture lines up. This is what the Bible says. Don't get angry at Pastor Tom for a moment. Here's what the Word says. The Word says in Proverbs 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. Psalm 127, verse 3 says this, children are a gift from God. Children are a gift from God. Proverbs 6, verse 16 says this, the Lord hates six things, actually seven things that are an abomination to him. The hands that shed innocent blood. One of the most unsafe places is to be in the mother's womb in the United States. Deuteronomy 27 says this, Cursed is anyone who takes a bribe and sheds innocent blood. I can say to the abortion industry, Woe to you who take payment to shed innocent blood. There's a curse in Scripture. These are not my words. These are the words from the Scriptures. Jesus went on. Let's, if you turn in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. In Deuteronomy 6, 5. This is where we're supposed to train up the children, committing it to them. In chapter 6 of Deuteronomy in verse 6, you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to the commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them around your forehead. This is where the word equip the children, train up a child. If you look at the explosion of ungodliness and the murders in our schools, the mass murders, when we take God out of the school and take the word and take the Bible and prayer out, what do you expect is going to happen? It's been said that if we don't train the Lord's children, the children about Jesus, to honor and love him, the world will teach him to hate him. And I see that that's what's going on today. Well, what about this transgender situation? I know now that January 20th, there are six states right now this year that are trying to restrict the gender reassignment therapies to minors. There are actual laws that are being put on the books, trying to put on, where a minor can change their transgender, their birth identity, without parental consent. Now that's just crazy. Well, what did God say? What does the Word say? Don't get mad at me. Here's what the Word said in Genesis 1.27 and in Genesis 5.2. When God created human beings, He made them like Himself... He created them, male and female, and blessed them. These sex reassignment surgeries that are going out, Isaiah prophesied in, verse five, in chapter 5, Isaiah 5.20, Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. Well, let's go to New Testament. What did Jesus say about marriage and divorce? Remember, when he was dealing with that question, he had been asked, in Matthew 19, they came to him and they asked about the scriptures dealing with divorce where Moses had allowed them due to the hardness of heart. 
But he clarifies this and talks about the creation. He, he actually quotes Genesis 1.27 because he was the creator of all things, remember? From Colossians chapter 1, he made all things. Verse 4. So in Matthew 19, 4. Haven't you read the Scriptures? That's an interesting statement to say to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus replied, they re the record that from the beginning God made them male and female, and this explains why a man leaves his father and mother is joined to his wife, and the two become one. I want you to see that the Creator is the one who creates her. And we're going to look in a minute here in Jeremiah 18. He is the potter, and we're the clay. So why don't we stop trying to play God, changing people's identity, and deal with, we're going to look at what sin patterns have opened the door generationally to bring us where we are. But woe to them that call good evil and evil good. Let me uh, share with you, if you would, um, my Christian rabbi friend from Israel sent me something this week that uh, I love his input. It gives me a different perspective from the rabbinical side. But he titled this thing Birth Pains, Birth Pangs, P-A-N-G-S. To do that, let me first, I, I believe we are definitely, many have tried to uh, figure out where is it that we are. Jesus in Matthew 24 in Mark 13 and in Luke 21. When Scripture repeats itself multiple times, it's time to, especially when it's the red letter from Jesus. So would you turn with me to Matthew 24? I know this is a familiar Scripture. Not Some churches don't preach it, but we do. Um, I want us to look at what Jesus foretold here, and then we'll try to peg where do we think we are because the acceleration of these pangs, these birth pangs, the preparation when, when my wife delivered our four children, it's always that exciting time, right, where when you start to count the contractions between, are these Braxton Hicks or are they the real thing? It's like, and then when you realize, oh my Lord, she's in labor, man, most husbands freak out, at least I did. Get her to the place where she's going to be safe to deliver the children. Well, Jesus was warning. When you start to see, are these the Braxton Hicks contractions or is this it? And Jesus said, let me tell you when it's it. Let's look at Matthew 24 and let's pick up in verse 3. So in Matthew 24 and let's begin in verse 3. It says, remember what happened is Jesus, they were sitting, they were so amazed with the temple in Jerusalem. And this is just before Jesus goes to the greatest trial, his reason for coming. And he, the disciples are like, they're awed by the temple. It took so many years to build it. And so he says, yeah, but you know what? Not one of these stones will remain which must have really shocked the disciples because later they're sitting on the Mount of Olives and in verse 3 it says, later, later Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives and he, his disciples came they privately and they said, tell us, when is this going to happen? What are the signs that will signal your return and the end of the world? Pretty important message, right? Next verse, if you look at it, it says, he says, they came. Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name and say they are the Messiah. They will deceive many. Verse 6, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. You think we've had threats of wars? These things must come to place, but the end will, won't follow immediately. 
Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famine. Now listen to this. The King James adds one here. They've kind of listed it together here in the New Living. Let me give you the King James here in verse 7. It says, Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. So we see that there's an addition here, famines, pestilences, and earthquakes. I'm going to deal into that in a moment. Certainly we know what famines are, and my rabbi will pick this apart in just a moment for us. Let me continue. These are only the first of the birth pangs with more to come. Oh, Lord. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you're my followers. Many will turn away from them and betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and will deceive many. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. But those who endure to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world. That's amazing. I can sit here and live stream and my churches in the Himalayas can listen to what we're doing in Nepal. It's amazing what God has done. That prophecy has been fulfilled. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet, let's, let's skip down and let's pick up in verse 21. For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. Woe. It will never be so great again. Double woe. In fact, unless the time of this calamity was shortened, not a single person would survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones, the elect, he says. Then he says this, if anyone tells you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, don't, don't believe that. False messiahs, false prophets will rise up. They're going to perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen one. Let me just camp there for a moment. We know when the Antichrist comes on the scene and the false prophet joins with the Antichrist, they will be able, he will call lightning from the sky and be able to deceive many. So don't be deceived by false lying signs and wonders. Need to know the book so that we're not deceived. He says, Jesus says in verse 25, I've now warned you about this ahead of time. So if someone tells you, look, the Messiah is here in the desert, don't, don't bother to go look or hiding here or there. Don't, don't believe it. For as the lightning flashes in the sky, so the end is near. Let's turn to verse 32. In verse 32, Jesus says this, learn a lesson from the fig tree. The fig tree throughout Scripture is described as the nation of Israel. And so he says, now learn a lesson from the fig tree, if I can put that in as a, as a figurative piece. Learn the lesson from Israel. When its branches begin to bud and the leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near says, in the same way, when you see all these things he just described, return is very near. It's at the door. I want you to notice there's a gateway. Uh, the picture behind me, there's a gate. There's a narrow gate. It says, Jesus says in, in uh, John 10 that he is the good shepherd. He's the gate to the sheepfold. He also warns that there's a narrow way. There's a narrow way. Many go the broad way. 
There's a narrow way. He says, few ever find it. There's a place through the gateway that leads into this promise. But there's also a scripture. I like this one with a white horse. The rider on the white horse in Revelation 19 says he's coming. He's coming back with the armies from heaven, the rider on the white horse. And he's not coming back as the little babe from Bethlehem. He's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. I love that picture of the rider. He's the king. He's carrying a sword. He actually has it tattooed on his side. He's king of kings and lord of lords. He's coming back. And it says those who come with him are the bride who has made herself ready. The bride has made herself ready by the good deeds that she has done. That's the garment she wears. The good deeds of the bride's work, the things that have done for those who believe in Christ, have made themselves ready, coming back with the rider on the white horse. So I want you to see, he warns here again in verse 32, learn this lesson, but then drop down it says in verse 34, I tell you the truth. That this generation, man, when you start to see this happening, 1947, Israel became a nation. Our President Truman was the first to recognize after the Holocaust, after they had been punished for their sinful ways and practices, the Lord always works all things together for good in Romans 8.28 to those who love him. So this remnant, and we see them going back to their land, and from 1947 on till now, 1948, until now, we see that the fig tree is blossoming. Not without its challenges and difficulties, but we see, he says, when you start to these th- see these things, verse 33, verse 34 says, I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Now, he also warns, he says, if anyone tells you they know the day of the hour, it's not true. There have been many cults that have tried to pick a day and an hour and saw one recently, so that this is what it's going to happen, and it didn't happen. He says, don't get focused on the day or the hour, because even he says the Son of Man doesn't know that day. It'll be just like in the days of Noah, marrying, giving in marriage, partying, doing their stuff, and all of a sudden, suddenly, It's that suddenly in those days, just before the flood, they were enjoying their banquets and their parties and their weddings, and then Noah got in the boat and God closed the door. He says, this will be the same as this last day. There'll be many that will be taken by surprise. He finishes this in all three of those different scriptures in Matthew Matthew 24 and Luke 21 and Mark 13. Verse 42, he says, You must keep watch. Keep watch. For you don't know the day or the hour when he's coming. Understand this. If you knew, you'd be ready, right? So you must be ready all the time. Be ready all the time. Unexpectedly, he goes on and repeats that. And then he says this. In verse 45, a faithful and sensible servant is the one who the master can give the responsibility for managing the household and the servants. Are you managing your house well? Are you in that place where you're being faithful and sensible? What's going on in your house? What is it? What's going on in the house of God? I'm trying to be a faithful, sensible servant, not giving you nice, easy words that you like to hear. Everything's going to be fine. And No, I'm trying to tell us the truth from what I believe is Scripture, that if we don't 
If we don't get back on the highway to holiness, we will not see the Lord. And the United States is in this place. It's a very, very dangerous place right now. Well, let me share with you um, from my rabbi friend. He titled it Birth Pangs. And here's a quote from him. It says, many people today do not know, nor have they been taught the biblical prophecies. But these events that are taking place before our eyes, they're happening right now. Interesting scripture is very clear. It gives us very specific detailed descriptions. And he quotes out of Matthew 24, the birth pangs, verse 6 and 8. Now, the birth pangs, he lists four, what he believes are the four things that are indication of where we are. The first is a time when the nations, the ethnos, will rise against nations, kingdom against kingdom. Well, we don't have to go too far back to World War I, World War II, of course, all the wars. We've been in the longest war in Afghanistan, what, 19 years in a war in Afghanistan? <laughs> wars and rumors of wars. How many wars are taking place? You can go on the list between what's taking place. The second one he lists are famines upon the earth and pestilences like coronavirus and how many earthquakes. Well, let me deal with the famines. Right now, there is a massive famine. I don't know if you've seen this, but you can go online and look at it. During the week of Passover, there was a famine that was so massive, a plague of locusts that hit many nations, over 20-some-odd nations. And it says in Exodus 10, 14, locusts invaded the land of Egypt. Remember the plagues that came upon Egypt just before the Passover? It's almost like the Lord is saying, can I get your attention? Do you remember what came against my people then? And he sent the plague of the locusts. Well, there's a massive plague of locusts descending on the nation right now in the Middle East and in Africa, East Africa. In fact, it is the 20 times larger than the worst one that happened 70 years ago. Interesting, 70 years. Go back and count when Israel became a nation. It resembles that plague that was talked about back in the day of Egypt. This wave is now sweeping East Africa, could descend on Saudi Arabia, Iran, Iraq, and the Middle East nations as well. We're, we're witnessing what could be starvation for multi-millions. Pandemics, this corona pestilence. The Bible's is very clear. When you look at what's taken place in just in the last few years, you know, COVID-19 right now, SARS, the swine flu, the bird flu, the West Nile virus. Do you know that the bubonic plague is now back due to the homeless population, even in some of our major cities? The bubonic plague is now back because rats are infesting those plague, carrying fleas that carry the plague. The economic consequences, good Lord, what is the consequence to this that's taking place right now. Nothing like this ever before in modern day history. Well, let me deal with earthquakes. This thing is phenomenal, what's happening. There's an exponential rise in the number of earthquakes. In the past seven days, this is from Passover, so it's dated just a little bit, but I heard yesterday there was an earthquake of 6.6 .6 in Japan. It was about 300 miles below surface, so it didn't result in a tsunami. You know what happened a few years back when they had the close to a 10 um, and it destroyed and actually destroyed so much of Japan and had the major meltdown in the nuclear plant at Fukushima. 
In the last seven days, this is going back to that, it says there have been 1,292 earthquakes greater than the 3.0. In the last 24 hours, there have been 184 earthquakes greater than 3.0. There was a large one in Peru, magnitude 5.2. In just 30 days from that Passover time, going back 30 days, there have been 5,289 earthquakes across the globe. Now, to be correct, there's always a shifting of the Teutonic plates and everything. It's actually healthy. But when there's an exponential increase of the shaking that can be shaken, once more, I will shake. Remember Hebrews 12, 26, I will shake. And yet once more, I will shake everything that can be shaken. Well, what do we look at if, if this is a judgment, if this is one of the birth pains that's coming on the earth? What does the prophet Isaiah say about judgments? In Isaiah 26, verse 9, you can write this one down. Isaiah 26, verse 9, it says this, For when your judgments, your good judgments, God, are on the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Isaiah 26, 9, when your judgments are on the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. And then he goes on and says, our God is a consuming fire. Well, let's look at what do we do then? Maybe we could call up Psalm 24. Psalm 24 Verse 3 to 5. In that scripture, he tells us who can climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may ascend this hill? Who can stand in the holy place? One who has clean hands and a pure heart. So if you want to ascend the hill of the Lord, you want to walk the right path, you want to get to that place and stand in that highway of holiness, it's going to be clean hands. That speaks of the things that we do and it speaks of a pure heart. For those that may be tuning in and you're not really sure if you're born again, if you were to die right now, you're not sure where you're going, there's a statement that we ought to meditate on. What you believe about Jesus is important, but what you do with what you believe about Jesus is actually more important because the devils believe there's a Jesus, <laughs> but what they do about it is not the right thing. So there are those that believe but don't do, but then there's those that do but yet don't believe. You have to do both. You have to believe and you have to do what he said. Remember, it's words and actions. What road? You're, the goals you set are not as important as the, the pathways you take or the road you take. So he warns us here about clean hands and purity of heart. The clean hands speak of doing things actively, and the pureness of heart talks about the character of the inward side of who you are. So he, he promises that that's, if you see what's coming, then that's the place we ought to choose. Well, let me tell, ask you if you would please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 35, and let's look at verse 1. Isaiah 35 and verse 1. The Bible titles this, King James titles this one, uh, New Living Translation titles it, Hope for Restoration. You know, at the end of this thing, when it's all said and done, the elect, those who have been chosen of God, those who have persevered, 
there's a hope of restoration. There's this, at the end of this thing, it's an amazing, graceful place to be with God. I want you to see that this prophecy is being fulfilled right now. My friends, uh, Neil Blake, who's got connections in Israel, have been sending pictures of the Dead Sea area. That the Dead Sea, I've I've swam in the Dead Sea. (laughs) It's amazing. But there's been places where the Dead Sea, the salt level has dried up, and there's now springs of living water, uh, real fresh water that spring up. They got fish actually being farmed out of the Dead Sea. Springs. And there's pictures, go online, look at the blossoming of the desert. This year, they've had rain in the desert, it was prophesied it would come, and the desert is blooming. Seeds of plants that have not been seen for maybe 2,000 years have now blossomed, just sitting in the desert waiting for the right condition. Look at what it says here in Isaiah 35, 1. Even the wilderness and the desert will be glad in those days. What days? Wow. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Yes, there'll be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. There's pictures of, they had drone pictures of people walking through all the beautiful flowers in the Dead Sea area of the desert. I've sat up there on Masada and looked out. It was just barren wasteland. It's like, now. The deserts will become green as the mountains of Lebanon and lovely as the Mount Carmel and the plain of Sharon. There the Lord will display his glory, the splendor of God. That's being fulfilled right now with this news. Ha-ha. Strengthen those who have tired hands. Isn't that good news? I'm trying to strengthen. Encourage those who have weak knees and say to those who have fearful hearts, be strong. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. For your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He's coming to save you. And when he comes, he's going to open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. I believe this scripture soon is going to be fulfilled. We're going to see an unprecedented move of signs and wonders in God. As we come out of this thing, I believe there's going to be a worldwide move of God's presence. We're certainly praying into that, agreeing that God is going to move powerfully with his spirit. So when he comes, we're going to see eyes open, blind eyes, deaf ears. That could be spiritual, physical, both. That says the lame will leap like a deer. Those who cannot speak, you know, I've been on the mission field and I've seen the deaf mutes all of a sudden open their mouth and start to speak. The springs will gush forth in the wilderness. Streams will be watered in the wastelands. The parched ground will become a pool of springs of water satisfying the thirsty land. The marsh grass and the reeds will rush and flourish in the desert. Jackals once lived there. Lions will not lurk along this course, nor any other ferocious beast. There will be no other dangers. Only the redeemed will walk on it. Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. They will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will will disappear. They'll be filled with joy and gladness. Isn't that amazing that the promise is that we would walk in this place of holiness. And look at verse 8 of Isaiah 35. A great road. I like the way that it says it's a highway of holiness. A great road will want that will walk there. They, the name is the highway of holiness. Evil-minded people will not travel on it. You see that? evil-minded. This speaks of character. I'm going to talk about three levels of sin that Hebrews, the, the, 
the language in Hebrew covers, but in the in our English language, it's it's not as uh, it's not as beautiful or as definitive for me. So let me, I'm going to cover that in a moment. But I want you to see there's a highway named the Holiness Highway, and evil-minded people they they're not allowed to get on the on-ramp for that one. Only those who walk in God's ways, fools will never walk there. Powerful message, Amen. Well, let's turn to Deuteronomy 28 as we're building up. I want you to see there's a highway of holiness. I want you to see there's blessings and there are cursings. In Deuteronomy, obviously I'm not going to cover all this. There's three chapters here, but I would encourage you to read it. In Deuteronomy 28, now this is a message given to Israel, but we know that the Lord doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in Deuteronomy 28, in verse 1 through 7, he lists the blessings if you fully, this is conditional, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep, now he's speaking of commandments, this is the moral law, right? There's moral, social, and there's societal laws, society, and there's the, we're talking about the moral law. This is the, the Ten Commandments. If you'll fully obey the Lord your God, you're going to be blessed in your fields, your crops, your flocks, your home. You'll be blessed, your enemies, when they come, not if, this enemy, the plague, has come, and when he comes, he's going to be scattered seven ways. So this is the covenant promise, but it's conditional. In verse 15, he says this, I warn you, if you refuse to listen and don't obey the commands that I'm giving you, all these curses will come on you. Man, it is not, and then it lists again, you're going to be cursed in your fields, your family, and it's not pretty. It is, very, you can read all of those curses. It is a horrible situation. Look at verse 47. Now let's look at verse 45. Deuteronomy 28, 45. If you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and obey the commands and decrees I've given you, all these curses will pursue and overtake you until you are destroyed. These horrors will serve as a sign of a warning among you and your descendants forever. If you do not serve the Lord your God with joy, wow, and enthusiasm, wow, for the abundant benefits that you have received. Boy, that is a, what about the United States? What a blessing this nation has been. Never in the history of mankind have so many people taken advantage of so many of the blessings. He says, if you serve the Lord your God with enthusiasm, but if you serve, if you fail to, you're, you will serve your enemies. He goes on and look, let's pick up in verse 58. If you refuse to obey all the words of the instructions that are written in this book, and if you do not fear the glorious and awesome name of the Lord, then the Lord will overwhelm you and your children with indescribable plagues. These plagues will be intense and without relief, making you miserable and unbearably sick. He will afflict you with all the diseases of Egypt that you feared so much that you have no relief. The Lord will afflict you with every sickness and plague there is, even those not mentioned in the book of the instruction until you're destroyed. Now you might say, well, I thought God was loving and graceful, and he is. 
But he's also a God of justice. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of grace, but he's also a God of justice. We always love the grace side. More and more grace, Lord. More, Yes. And hear me. I, 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 um, I desire the grace of God for all of us. But we can't ignore what's written in here. If we in, continue to turn away from God as a nation, as a people group. You see, he deals with this on both an individual level, on a family level, and he deals with it on a national level. And I'm giving you enough to cover all that. This deals with you as an individual, you as a family member, and then you as a family group, and then as a nation. I'm giving you enough scripture to pour into this. Let's turn to Deuteronomy 29. He goes on and he further says, Moses actually reviews the covenant with this people here. He goes on, it's, it's almost repetitive, right? He says that in verse 9, Deuteronomy 29, 9, therefore obey the terms of the covenant so you will prosper in everything you do. I wonder if the prosperity of the United States has anything to do with forefathers. This nation is not perfect. You don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Things that happened in slavery, we, we definitely had to repent from that. 600,000 men died in the Civil War. God raised up a leader to set that right. The things that happened to the Native Americans, absolutely horrible. There are things that have happened in our past, but there was a group of people that desired to turn and seek God, and our leaders, the founding fathers, they did have principled that they taught. And God in his mercy and his grace has poured out his blessing on the United States. So there's a covenant here. If you obey the terms, so it says, enter into this covenant, verse 12. Enter into this covenant, those that are standing here today. Make this covenant with God, including the curses. So they did. Then he goes on and says, I want you to see this, verse 14. This is not only for the ones whom I'm making covenant with here, the curses. I'm making this covenant both with you. I'm making this covenant both with you and with those in the future generations who are not standing here today. Do you hear this? I don't believe in replacement theology. We're part, we've been, if you look in Romans, we've been grafted in. We're the wild bunch. The Gentiles have been grafted in with the fig tree, remember? At that point, the olive tree, the, the olive tree has been, we've been grafted in. So we're now part of that as one big family. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about the one new man. Both Jew and Gentile come together. He's speaking here to this future generation. He says, I'm speaking to this generation and those. But I want you to see, verse 18, I'm making this covenant with you so that no one among you, man, woman, tribe, will turn away from the Lord, your God. I'm following the desires. Here's what they answer. They say this, verse 19, those who hear these warnings and the curses should not congratulate themselves thinking I'm safe even though I'm following the desires of my stubborn heart. This will lead to utter ruin. The Lord will never pardon people. Instead, his anger and jealousy will burn against them. And all these things that are written. I mean, this is as clear and as severe and as straightforward. Don't you like to know what the rules are? <laughs> you know, you can't play the game. Paul tells us if you're going to win, you've got to know the rules. In the, in the games of athletics. So he goes on, he warns, look at Deuteronomy 30, 
he calls them, even after all this, he knew what would happen. He knew in advance. He says, if you'll return to the Lord, even if you turn away, if you will turn to the Lord, this is the hopeful place for us. If you'll turn back to me, look at verse 1 of chapter 30. In the future, when you experience all these blessings and curses that I have listed for you, and when you are living among the nations in which the Lord your God has exiled, sounds like after the, uh, in, when was it, 70 AD, when the Roman legions smashed and scattered the people of Israel to all the nations, it wasn't until after the Holocaust when they came back from exile. We see that over and over again prophesied in the book of Zechariah and throughout the Old Testament, the minor prophets. It says this, when you take heart of these instructions, if at that time you and your children return to the Lord your God, and if you obey with all your heart and all your soul the commands I've given you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortune. Sounds like Jeremiah 29, 11. If my you know, if you'll turn from your wicked ways and seek my face, I'll restore your fortunes, break the captivity. He will have mercy on you and gather you back from the nations where he has scattered you. Even though you were banished to the ends of the earth, the Lord your God will gather you. What promise, what grace. Now let's pick up in verse 4, 15. And this is the message for the United States and for all of us. Now listen today, I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I have commanded you this day to love the Lord your God and keep His commandments, His decrees, His regulations by walking in His ways if you will do this. You will live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you and the land that you're about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, that's the idolatry of economics. It is those who trust in horses and chariots, money, power, military, stimulus packages. What, do you what is the idolatry that you trust in? What is it, the idolatry, anything that substitutes God's peace? What do you trust in? If you choose those things over the love of the Lord your God as your source, he said, I'm giving you a choice. I warn you. You'll not live a long life or a good life in the land that you're crossing into. Today I have given you the choice between life and death between the blessings and the cursings. Now, I call on heaven and earth to witness. See, they're, they're keeping record of the choices. They're keeping record of individuals. They're keeping record of families. They're keeping record of nations, and you'll see why in a moment. Whether you're a sheep nation or a goat nation or the sheep or a goat, Matthew 25. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice. By loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. If you love and obey the Lord, if you will live long in the land and the, that the Lord swore to give you. And he finished this, Moses finished this, 
as both the promise to Israel and to us today. Well, let me give some examples from Scripture of those who got it and repented and were blessed and those who didn't. And what was the consequence? Remember, this is the Lord said, if this, then that. This is your choice. Turn with me to Jeremiah. Well, actually, let's look in uh, Leviticus for a minute. Let me go there first. In Leviticus chapter 26. I want you to see in that rebellious place where Israel is. In Leviticus 26. Curses, fever, desolate streets. It's like, wow. Again, it's this warning, punishment for disobedience. It begins in verse 14. It says this punishment for disobedience. There's promises in the beginning. And we love that. Blessings for obedience in Leviticus, the first part. But let's pick up um, in verse 14. Leviticus 26, 14. It says, however, if you do not listen to me or obey all these commands, I will break my covenant by rejecting my, and you break my covenant by rejecting my decrees and treating my regulations with contempt and refusing to obey. I will punish you and bring sudden terrors upon you, wasting diseases, burning fevers that will cause your eyes to fail and your life to ebb away. You'll plant your crops in vain because your enemies will turn against you and you'll be defeated. Those are not encouraging words. Look at verse 25. I will send armies to carry out a curse of the covenant that you broke. When you run to your towns for safety, I will send a plague to destroy you there. You'll be handed over to the enemies and I will destroy your food supply. In fact, I don't know if you've been seeing this. It's wild, but... There are coyotes wandering through Los Angeles, San Diego, those areas, because the streets are so barren. There's actually pictures of wild animals wandering through Israel's cities, whole groups of deer wandering. Why? Because the people are locked down in their houses. Your cities have become, your streets have become desolate. Look at verse 31. I will make your cities desolate, destroy your places of pagan worship. These are, these are, horrible revelations, but wouldn't it be good to know the truth about what Scripture says? So let me try to lighten it up a little bit. Let's turn, to, this may help a little. Let's turn to Jeremiah 18. In Jeremiah, I'd already set the tone here. You got Jeremiah the prophet kept warning Israel, and they kept turning away and following their own ways and forming, going after idolatry of all forms, false gods, immorality, murder, Sin was rampant. And he picks up in Jeremiah, he suffered a lot. Nebuchadnezzar was coming from Babylon, and eventually they completely destroyed the temple, burned it to the ground. In chapter 18 of Jeremiah, verse 1, the Lord gives this message to Jeremiah. He said, I want you to go down to the potter shop, and I will speak with you there. Jeremiah 18.10, he says, then in verse 3, he says, I did as I was told, and I found the potter working on his wheel. But the jar he was making, he didn't, it didn't turn out the way he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay, and he started over. Then the Lord gave me this message. Now, here's the message that we ought to get. Oh, Israel, can I not do as the potter has done with his clay? 
as the clay is in the hand of the potter, so you are in my hand. If, listen to this, if I announce, here's the promise, this is God's desire. If I announce that a certain nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, but then that nation renounces its evil way. Are you listening, America? I will not destroy it as I had planned. And if I announce that I will plant and build up a certain nation or kingdom, are you listening, America? But that nation turns to evil and refuses to obey me. I will not bless it as I said I would. Whoa. Therefore, Jeremiah, go down and warn all Judah and Jerusalem. Say to them, this is what the Lord says, I am planning disaster for you instead of good. So turn from your evil ways, each of you, and do what is right. But if the people reply, don't waste our breath. We will continue to live as we want to, stubbornly following our own evil desires. God speaking to you? So this is what the Lord says. Has anyone ever heard of such a thing? Even among the pagan nations, my virgin daughter Israel has done something so terrible. I want you to see that Jeremiah was pleading and desiring. Look, let's pick up on verse 15. My people, they're not reliable. Oh, my God, what a terrible thing, right? We're to please God. He said, my people, they're not reliable. They've deserted me. They burn incense to worthless idols. They, they've stumbled on, off the ancient highway. They have stumbled off the ancient highway, the highway of holiness, and they walk in muddy paths. Jeremiah 18, 15. They've stumbled. It's not like they, it, it's like, how did we get here? When you fall and stumble, maybe you tripped over something you stumbled. It wasn't planned that way, but you've stumbled. You've gotten off the track, and I need you to get out of the mud. Get out of the muddy path, or else your land will become desolate, and it will become a monument to your stupidity. Whew. Pretty sobering and somber words. He's the potter, we're the clay. These are national choices. These are individual choices. Well, let me give some good news and, and some bad news to try to mix this. The good news, remember Jonah? In Jonah, in chapter 1, 2, and 3, God spares Nineveh. You got the Assyrians there in sin. They're a, they're, they're a Gentile group that's literally going off the cliff, and God says, I'm going to destroy him. So he raises up a prophet, Jonah, who fights against it. You know that. But he, when you're sitting in seaweed for three days in the belly of the whale, it has a way of changing your attitude. And so he goes to Nineveh and he preaches the truth and they repent. And God says in verse 10, Jonah 3.10, God changed his mind. That goes back to the promise. If this nation, which I'm going to destroy, will repent. Remember the king in Nineveh, he had every, every person in the whole group. They went into sackcloth and ashes. The entire nation fasted and prayed for repentance. You know, when our, when our president asks for a national day of prayer, to pray and seek his face. That was amazing. Really disheartening to see one of our congressmen curse him and curse the National Day of Prayer. Please give us godly leaders, God, that humble and honor your name. See, God changed his mind here. But how about this one in 1 Samuel 2, verse 12. 1 Samuel 2, 12, it says, Eli 
would not repent. It says that he, he was warned. Eli's two sons, Eli was the high priest. His son Hophni and Phinehas were two of the priests. They were scoundrels and they had no respect for the Lord. No respect for the Lord. And says that they would steal the offerings and then they had sexual relationships with women in the church. And God sends a warning to Eli, stop this. And he doesn't. God says, as a result of you not taking care of what needed to be taken care of in your house, my house, therefore you and your family shall be eradicated. We know that all of them died. His legacy was wiped out. Warnings first, always God is a God of grace. How about this? There's a place. Let's turn to Jeremiah 21. In Jeremiah 21, this is where it's too late. I read you the, the scriptures where Esau wanted to repent for giving away. He sold his birthright. You know, it just makes no sense. You would sell your birthright for a meal, and yet we as humans, we trade things all the time. We trade things for pleasure. Trading birthright for pleasures. We're not so far away from an Esau. God help us, empower us to see. People trade things all the time for a moment of gratitude or gratification in the flesh. And it's just an open door to destruction. Jeremiah 21, verse 1 says this. The Lord spoke through Jeremiah when King Zedekiah sent Pasher son of Malchijah and Zephaniah son of Messiah to the priest to speak with him. They begged Jeremiah. See, Jeremiah had come over and over and over again. They kept refusing, refusing. Speak to the Lord for us. In essence, it goes on and so Jeremiah says, it's too late. The enemy's already here. You have missed it. See, there's a point of no return, and I just, I'm praying for our nation. I'm praying for our leadership. I'm praying for all of our Congress and leaders, Supreme Court. We have a choice, the highway of holiness or the muddy path. Get back on the ancient path. Let me stop and teach here for a moment. This really spoke to me. If you want to turn with me in uh, Exodus 34, I think this will become more clear. There are three levels of rebellion. In Matthew 25, we know that there's a judgment coming, and it says that there's going to be sheep and goats. He's going to separate the sheep and goats. On that judgment day, he's going to separate the nations and the people, the right and the left. The question is, are you a sheep or a goat? Is the United States a sheep nation or a goat nation? I think the jury is still out. And I'm asking the Lord in Matthew 25 for his grace. But here's the levels of sin. Are you there in Exodus 34? Moses deals with this. Let's pick up in verse 4, I think. Let's see. Yeah, Exodus 34, 4. It says... Um, Moses chiseled the stones of tablets together. Remember, this is the Ten Commandments. He came down in a cloud and stood there with him, and he called out his name, Yahweh. Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord God of compassion and mercy 
I'm slow to anger. See that? He's a God of compassion and mercy, and he's very slow to anger. He's filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Thank you, God. He lavishes that unfailing love to a thousand generations. He forgives. Now, I want you to see this. This is, he, he, re, he forgives iniquity, he forgives rebellion, and he forgives sin. But I do not dis- excuse the guilty. The sins of the parents upon the children and the grandchildren of an entire family is affected. Let me read the King James to you. King James, it says, I keep mercy for a thousand, verse 7, King James, 30, Exodus 34, 7, keeping the mercy for a thousand, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, but in no means clear the guilty. I want you to see that there are three levels of sin listed here. In our English word, it's sin. <laughs> but in the Hebrew, it's got sin, transgression, and iniquity. And he visits the iniquities. I want you to see that the iniquity, iniquity is what I believe is the progression of the worst level of sin. Let me try to break that down for us. Sin in the definition, first of all, the the word there in the Hebrew is shata. That's C-H-A-T-T-A-H. Shata. And that definition in the Hebrew is to miss the mark. When you commit a sin, you've missed the mark. Man, I failed there. Yes, you, you, you've committed that sin. It's, it's not good. But there's another level, the next level of sin, the depth of this thing is transgression. And that in the Hebrew is pesha, P-E-S-H-A. And that one means willful rebellion. So let's break this down. If I miss the mark, I've committed a sin. Maybe it's sin of omission or commission. I didn't even know that I was committing that sin. It's still sin by the moral law, but I wasn't aware. And when I become aware, it's like, whoa, and I repent. But now when I'm aware of sin and I say, I don't care, I'm going to willfully rebel and commit sin, that's transgression. You can see the level of darkness there. I make a choice. It's almost a character tainting. I, I wasn't aware, or man, I wasn't sure, you know, the pre-Jesus time... Or even now, as a Christian, I think of these things, and, and I got angry, and I, and I repent. I missed the mark. But over here, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. I want to do it. I'm going to do it. I choose to do it. That's transgression. But there's a worse level. It's called iniquity. And that in the, in the Hebrew is awon, A-W-O-N. And it means a twisted, evil character. God looks at the level of this. He says, I forgive all of it. I forgive in verse 7. I have mercy on a thousand. I forgive iniquity. I forgive transgression and I forgive sin. But in no means do I dismiss the guilty. And I will visit the iniquity of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. The twisted, evil charactered people actually goes on in, in Exodus 20 verse 5. It says, those who hate me. I will visit to the third and fourth generation. There's this level of hatred for God that you see it rampant right now. Sin is rampant everywhere. They hate God. They mock God. They, they do these ungodly things, and they know it, and they shake their fist at God. That's an evil, twisted character. And God says, I will make a visitation of that iniquity. It affects the entire family for three to four generations. 
Now, he promises those who love me. This is in Exodus 20, verse 5. It says, those who love me, I will bless to a thousand generations. But those who hate me, I'll visit to the third and fourth generation, affect the entire family. Do you see this progression? Sin, transgression, and iniquity. This helps me in that place where God is so forgiving. But when a nation, when a people group, when individuals continue in this twisted, evil character, their, their whole person has become evil. We see that in Romans chapter 1. It says they, they refuse to honor God. They refuse to worship Him. It said they worship their creation, this humanism. They kept inventing ways of doing more and more evil. That's the generation, and that's where I'm concerned where America is postured right now. We're at a tipping point. In the last 60 years, we have thumbed our hands and noses at God in such a way we've taken prayer out, we've taken schools, and taken the Bible out. We're killing children and shedding innocent blood. We're trying to change the gender and play God. God, help us. God, help us. That twisted evil that acknowledges that God is not who he says he is. He's the potter and we're the clay. In America, we need to wise up. I pray every day for our nation, our leaders, our Supreme Court, our leaders locally and abroad, that we would come to a place that acknowledge that he is God and get back on the moral compass that God set before us in his word. Get back on the highway of holiness that's why 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, not the lost, my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, then I would hear from heaven. God, we want you to hear from heaven right now. This immorality and this perversion this murdering of the innocent, shedding blood, every form of idolatry, of idolatry to money, idolatry to people, idolatry to national strength, idolatry to military strength. Yes, all okay, good things under the guise of God's blessing, recognizing that He is God and we are not. He said in Malachi 3.7, Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord. Woe to those, Isaiah 5, 20. Woe, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. God, I pray now in the name of Jesus, anyone listening to my voice, Lord, regardless of where they're at, I know that there's some that are saying they're probably annoyed at the message. I gave you the scriptures. I gave you enough scripture. You go meditate on it for yourself. And then ask God to show you, reflect in your own heart, where are you? What do you believe about Jesus and what will you do with that belief? That will determine where you will spend eternity. Oh, that you and your family would turn. God, I pray that anyone listening here that is, you were to die at this moment, have a heart attack, succumb to the plague, and you don't know where you're standing with God, he says, if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved.
just pray, God, I've lost, I've lost my way. I'm, I'm stuck in the mud, and I need to hear your voice and be set free. Lord, I want to step out of the mud and the miry clay, and I want to walk on the highway with you, God, that I have clean hands and a pure heart. I repent of my sin. I repent of, from my nation. I turn, and I seek your face. All the things that have tried to capture me and take my passions and focus my attention away from you, Lord, separate me from those things while there's still time. Watch out, seek and pray. Watch out. The devil seeks whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5, take a firm stand against him. Take every thought captive, 2 Corinthians 10, 3. Take every, the weapons that we fight with are not carnal, they're mighty to the pulling down of the fortresses, the strongholds of thinking, everything that raises thoughts above and against God. We take those captive and we pull them down. Romans 12, change the way we think, O God. Don't conform, verse 1, Romans 12, 1. Don't conform to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Letting God change the way you think. If you will do this, God will show you his perfect plan and will for your life. Oh, that you would choose life and you and your descendants would live. All heaven and earth will witness your choice. God help us. Lord, I ask you to heal the broken. Those that are struggling with captivity of drugs or alcohol, depression, suicide, disappointment, discouragements, bitterness. God, I ask that you'd visit them right now. Break every stronghold of that unforgiveness and bitterness, every disappointment, depressing spirit, suicides of sadness, discouragement. I'm hearing that child abuse is up, that addictions are up. Something's wrong with a nation that closes churches and keeps the alcohol places open. Come on, God, I ask you to release revelation knowledge to our leaders. God, I pray now, in the name of Jesus, set us free. And now may the God of peace grant you peace as you seek and search for him in Jeremiah 29, 11. On the day that you search for me with your whole heart, you will find me and I will break the strongholds of your captivity, and I will heal your land. As we enter into this song of worship to close out, may the God of peace grant you peace, and may the God of all wisdom, the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, may he bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. God bless you. Thank you. May you have a great and wonderful experience with God this week. In Jesus' name.